0: Hey, I'm Steve Paul and Welcome to another one. Thanks for downloading. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by AXA Business Insurance. Because let's face it, running a business by yourself is hard. So hurrah for AXA making something easy. You can tailor your policy to fit your business so you only pay for what you actually need. And they give you access to a legal and tax helpline there should you need it. Get cover for your work, your tools, your reputation. It feels better being protected, being freelance. Work hard, insure easy. Search AXA Business Insurance. And here's the grown up bit. AXA Insurance UK PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for PPC consultant Ryan Scullin.
1: I need to be looking at the projects I'm working on and figuring out which ones do I enjoy and which ones do I not enjoy working on and it was quite tricky to let go of the SEO projects you never want to let go of the money but I knew for my happiness and everything else that I needed to let them go and replace them with the PPC projects. It's quite weird going freelance because you think you have, well, you do have that flexibility to work sort of as and when you want and wherever you want. But I work best with a structured day. Celebrate those small wins, especially when you first start off, because they only come round once. That first project that you win, that first website redesign that you do, first business cards that you design—all those little steps—they're so exciting.
0: So there's Ryan, I think originally from Birmingham, now in Lincolnshire, here in the UK, where I'm also based. His story coming up in a moment. He's a PPC consultant, pay per click. How are you? Are you right? Have you got your new... BFF art print to help raise money for UNICEF. Go check beingfreelance.com slash shop. It's a really fun print by guest of the podcast, Ashrin Chacko. He was on right at the beginning of 2022. And to finish off the year, he's done this amazing exclusive art print. As I say, it's raising money for charity as well. So please do go take a look. And this week in the Being Freelance community, if you've not joined yet, do so. Link at beingfreelance.com. We had a live Q&A all about helping make the most of our websites with the marvellous Tom Garfield. You can catch the replay of that. Simply go into the community right now. Well, not right now because you've got something else to listen to. Also, remember, if you're new to Being Freelance, there's a course made for you. We cover everything you need from getting hired to getting paid to getting to the point where you don't burn out, hopefully. You can find that at beingfreelance.com and then click on the word course. Okay, shall we crack on and chat to this week's guest? And that is freelance PPC consultant, Ryan Scollin. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Steve. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Sure thing. Yeah, so all started about
1: 10 years ago. I joined a small marketing agency in Birmingham as an apprentice. I was very fresh face. I was only 16. And about, I'd say, maybe five years after working there, I ended up doing my first little project on the side. Uh, It's for a family friend. And it was making a website and, and doing some SEO bits for a roofer and it, it ended up being the best and worst thing that I ever did. <laughs> um, <laughs> the worst thing because yeah it, I guess I was trying to compare it to the projects I used to work on at the agency and and trying to get content and pictures and things from a roofer was an absolute nightmare but it gave me an insight into, into working on my own projects and you know and making some money for myself as much as I only got paid peanuts for the job. It was still a lot of money to me back then. I was probably only about 20 or so. So yeah, it, it was a great insight. And that's where it all started really. And then I think I built myself a website with the idea of it being sort of like future proofing. Didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I didn't know if I would need it in the future as a freelancer or, or if I could even use it as like an investment. So there was one freelancer at, at the time that I knew of that had sold his own website he managed to get it ranking for quite a few competitive search terms on Google, and he, he sold it for quite a large sum of money. Uh, so my my thinking was, well, okay, wait, if I don't use it for freelancing, then I could always sell it, and that would be a great thing. Uh, but I knew it would take a while, so the, yeah, the idea was to just have it in the background sort of ticking over, and I think maybe within 12 months... I started generating inquiries and it was a bit of a shock. Didn't really expect to be generating inquiries for it. And then, yeah, that's where it all started really. And then I think maybe 18 months after that first inquiry, I found myself handing my notice in at the agency and and going freelance full time. Cool. So what was the name of that website? It's the same one that I've got now. So it's just uh, .co. uk. Ah,
0: because when you were saying, you know, maybe I could sell it on, I thought it was going to be, I don't know, awesomeseo.com. Or, yeah. You know.
1: Well, that was, that was one of the things I had in mind. It was because the guy that had sold his website, his own one was actually his name as well. And I thought, well, how can you oh, sell really? that? Yeah, I was like, how can you sell it even though it's got your own name attached to it? But yeah. um, I think someone else just sort of claimed it and and redirected it, so you can't actually find that site anymore. It just goes to someone else's name. But yeah, it's something I thought of. But I think coming up with your own brand name is it's often quite tricky, especially if you've got nothing creative or any meaning behind it. Like you say, something about you know seo dot com or something. <laughs> it's a little bit a little bit naff.
0: So. It was ryanscollen.com, but what did you start doing on there? Because, you know, you, you sounded surprised when you started getting inquiries. So what were you doing on there? So originally it started off as like
1: an SEO and PPC blog, just writing blog posts. Um, and then I very quickly realized that that wasn't going to turn into anything. Uh, I'm, I'm not super keen on, on writing blog posts and things like that. So it was, it was hard to sort of maintain. And then I, I ended up changing it. To actually be a freelancer website, so I was, you know, promoting my services, but it was never the intention that someone would come across it. It was almost like placeholder text. It was the idea that, you know, I was, I, was, I think I was ranking at the time for for Birmingham, which is where I'm originally from, and I didn't think anyone would be searching for a local freelancer, especially when it comes to online services like you know, web design and things like that. People don't really seem to search for local freelancers because there's freelancers all over the uk and all over the world but yeah and then it, it just started to get the odd inquiry now i'm talking like one every two months but as someone who had a full-time job that was more than enough mm. because you know for the sort of work that i was doing on the side so
0: so you started getting more work on the side of your full-time job for about 18 months
1: yeah yeah
0: and that was all coming from your website
1: Yeah so that's the one thing that's a little bit different from me compared to a lot of freelancers I've spoke to. A lot of other people seem to get their work through sort of referrals and and through their network but because I was only young I wasn't really doing networking at the time and a lot of the people that I knew at the agency were sort of part of my boss's network. So it was quite a small marketing company that I I sort of worked for. I was their first proper employee really. Um, So a lot of the sort of customers and and clients that we had they were like his ex-colleagues or ex-school friends or you know people that he'd met during his lifetime so when I left I I didn't really have my own network as such so any any work I generated all came through the
0: website. So how did you know when you were ready to hand your notice in and take it full-time freelance?
1: I basically ran out of capacity Uh, I'd slowly added you know each project here and there. And because my clients are on monthly retainers, um, they can very quickly scale up. And I think at the time I was even matching my uh, employed salary. So I was was earning double the money. I was working all the hours I could, evenings and weekends. And I had one inquiry come through. It was quite a large project that had come through. I sort of, you know, spoke to them and they were happy to go ahead. And it was at that point I realised I don't I don't have the time to take this on. I need to make a decision now whether I'm gonna, you know, reject that project and not ever take on any more work or am I going to leave my job and go freelance? And it's at that point I knew I sort of had to hand my notice in.
0: How did that feel? Like were you kind of confident? Um
1: Yes and no. I think the fact that I already had a client base was really good because I knew that I was almost replacing my full-time salary anyway. I had savings as well that I purposely kept aside so that I had you know three to six months worth of bill money in the bank should I need it and I always had like had it in the back of my head that if I needed to I'd go get a job at, you know Tesco or Mackey's or wherever I needed to just to get the bills paid just to you know give myself six to 12 months to
0: to give freelancing a shot. So I introduced you as a freelance PPC consultant is that what you were putting yourself out there originally as? No so because
1: when I worked at the marketing agency we used to do lots of different things website design content and things like that but the two main things that I worked on in the sort of six years I was working there was SEO and PPC and I didn't really know anything else. It was the only agency I'd worked at. I didn't have any other experience, so I basically took a carbon copy of of what I was doing there and sort of, you know, offered that as a freelancer. But then very quickly realised that I, I, you know, I preferred pay per click. SEO is a lot more tricky when you don't have a team around you to, you know, write content and help with the website and bits and bobs like that. So that's when I went down
0: the route of going after PPC instead. And did you notice like a, a difference when you decided to focus on that sort of one specialized skill?
1: Yeah, it was really weird because I think when I first went freelance and you read a lot of advice, people say, you know, to niche down, focus on one service or focus on one industry. And for so long, I'd be sitting there trying to figure out what is it that I, you know that I want to focus down on. But this almost came quite naturally. It was, you know, sort of one day. Lots of projects sort of floating around and, you know, was feeling a bit down and I sort of thought, you know, I need to re- be looking at the projects that I'm working on and figuring out which ones do I enjoy and which ones do I not enjoy working on. And very quickly realized it was all the SEO projects I didn't enjoy working on. Um, so it, it was, yeah, it was pretty straightforward from that point. I realized, okay, I much prefer the PPC projects. This is the way that I need to go. Um, it was quite tricky to let go with the SEO projects. I was mm. still quite early in my freelance career so you never want to let go of the money um but i knew for my happiness and everything else that i needed to that i needed to sort of you know let them go and replace them with you know uh, ppc projects
0: so the work continued to come
1: through your website yeah and it has done sort of ever since really i think at its best probably during covid i, I was generating anywhere between sort of 20 and 30 leads a month which is just far too many as a freelancer I've been fortunate enough that I can pass those on to onto other freelancers, and sort of take any projects that I th- you know that I think are a good fit for me.
0: How do you filter through those? Like, do do you have a, a system in place that automatically does it on your website? Do you set time aside to sit through a load of emails? Like, how how do you deal with that?
1: When they first get in touch, I send them just a few questions really, and that will usually give me everything I need to determine the quality. So it's things like, have they ever run PPC campaigns before? What's their monthly sort of click budget looking like? And so what industry they're in as well. Certain industries aren't a great fit for PPC. Um, I also specialize in sort of lead generation. So I don't work with e-commerce companies. Um, so straight away, if it's an e-commerce company, then I can happily sort of refer that on to uh, another freelancer that I work with.
0: Um, yeah. So your website is, or your company name, rather, is Ryan Scullin & Co, right?
1: Yes, very creative,
0: yeah. (laughs) My company is Foll & Co, so, you know. But the reason I went with that was because I realised that sometimes, yeah, mainly it's about me, but I often hire other people to work with me and to, you know, to sort of create a bigger thing than I could buy myself and it kind of it looks like you do as well you mentioned having a small team of experts you even have their faces on your website tell me how that came about
1: yeah so I think there was a point where I just I'd reached full capacity uh, myself um, and I had a family friend who was really interested in in sort of you know dabbling in pay-per-click and again it was it 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 seemed like Common sense really. I had you know plenty of leads floating around that I could give them a bit of work to sort of you know test the water on and and they were keen to to have a go at pay-per-click because at the time they were in a completely unrelated field. So I ended up taking them on just sort of one project at a time, seeing how they got on with it. And now there's two people that work for me. Um it was quite a tricky process to be honest, I think, because I didn't want to be falling under the category of an agency. I wanted to stay under that sort of freelance umbrella. Um, so it was quite tricky to to maintain that while also having sort of, you know, two people on the team. So the way I try and position it is, is that it's a micro-agency um, but built up of, of, you know, sort of three freelancers. So it's not like they get palmed off to a junior. Uh, you know, if a client comes to work with me, they'll be sort of assigned to either one of us and then, and then we're their point of contact and we do all the work. So it's not like there's an account manager or anything
0: involved. How long have you been doing that?
1: That would be about 12 months now.
0: How have you found it? Um, there's good and bad. I
1: think the first is it's not easy. It takes time to train people up. Even if they've already got experience in PPC, they've got to get used to your processes and everything else. Um, so I know some people who have employed someone to you know take on a bit of work and free up some time but actually in the first probably three to even 12 months it actually takes up more time you know with all the training that you've got to do and sort of everything else Um, but it's nice to have people to bounce ideas off I think that was one of the biggest things I struggled with when I first went freelance is I had to make all the decisions in my previous job I could Shout out, great suggestions, but I didn't have to be the the person to make that decision as to whether we'd go for that strategy or, you know, or we'd go down that route. So going freelance was quite tricky. I never knew if it was the right decision to do, you know, X, Y, or Z. So having that team there to consult with or to have a second pair of eyes to look on a project, it, it, it's really helpful.
0: And do you work entirely remotely or do you get to meet up?
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it, it's quite remote. Um, we probably see each other once every month or two. Um, have like a work related meeting. Yeah, we'll ha- you know we'll spend the morning together, uh, go for lunch as well. So it's it's a really nice dynamic. Basically, there is no real need to work side by side. I think for the first few months we were doing sort of Zoom calls and things like that to to try and you know help each other get them on board, help them with projects and strategy. But now they've sort of you know they've picked it
0: up. It's uh, they can sort of run with it. And then you deal with the finance side of it, the contracts, and you, you you deal with the business side of it, do you? Yeah, that's the sort of bit
1: that I like, really. I like winning new clients. I like doing the sales. Um, and then, yeah, I organise all the sort of contracts and everything else and then, yeah, then sort of hand it over for them to do the sort of direct work.
0: Cool. And, yeah, I love the way on your website you do manage to tread that um, line between, like, I, you know, I am ryan and this is my yep. thing but we are also this thing and you'll be working with us it's um i don't know whether you've experimented with all the copy and the we's and the eyes, but it, it you yeah it kind of feels like you've got that balance right
1: yeah with the website i actually had to hire a copywriter to help with that side of things because it was so tricky to navigate that i found myself that when i was writing it it was all i and me um and then when you sort of sit back and you know would read it you think well oh, actually we're you know we're we're a team there's more than just me um so we'd often have to go back and that's where the sort of copywriter was able to help with the position as well in terms of you know the micro agency and and that sort of you know that group of freelancers and that you know we don't fall under that
0: sort of agency umbrella <music> Okay, back with Ryan in a moment. Just want to also say thank you to Ipsy, the Association for the Independent Professional and the Self-Employed here in the UK who support this episode as well. Well worth checking out, Ipsy. ipse.co.uk they lobby on our behalf to government yay for that they also have so much information on their website to help you access to templates for pretty much everything you could think about for running a freelance business and when you join ipsy it's a bit like when people at a company have perks and they get money off things you get that too money off food and drink, entertainment, high street shopping, days out, finance, technology, it's all in there. Especially if you're buying something big like a new computer or phone for example or for that matter if you're just celebrating with some cake because you've just landed yourself a new client and you're off to a local supermarket, that's in there too. So, do take a look, ipsy, dot and see what they're up to. Consider being a member. I've been one ever since I turned full-time freelance and I do recommend it. Okay, back to Ryan's story. And I see on your site as well, that you've got like, as featured in, and it's quite an impressive list of places that you've, you know, like media outlets. Is that something you've gone after as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so again, you know, I'm quite fortunate in that you know, quite a few years of my experience at the marketing agency was, was sort of doing seo so I've, I've been able to use that to my own benefit to to help the website rank and to get featured in in some of these large publications it, it some of them have sort of cropped up by luck really um yeah there's there's a few different tools i use and one it's handed me quite a few sort of good placements so
0: Ah, so it's not necessarily you being interviewed or something, or is it a list or like... Yeah, so some of them
1: it's being interviewed, some of them, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, it's called Harrow Helper reporter out. So there's basically three emails a day that get sent out and they ask for expert input on all sorts of things. They'll be sort of Usually about eighty or ninety different questions on there. It could be about anything. It could be about lifestyle. It could be about freelancing. It could be about business. It could be about yeah, all sorts. And you basically pitch in with your answer. And if they think that you're qualified enough, and that if your answer is good enough, then you'll get featured in you know said website. Sometimes it's anonymous and you don't know. Usually. The bigger websites like the Independent and and Forbes are anonymous, usually because they get absolutely spammed with with answers. Uh, And then some of the smaller publications will sort of publish their name on there so you know exactly what website you may be featured on.
0: Ah, so you just type in an answer?
1: Yeah, it's as simple as that. So it could be as simple as... um, What tips do you have for someone starting out freelance? You'll send in your answer and, you know, a little bit about you. um, And I assume they get, you know, a bunch of answers through and they have to sort of pick and choose which one they want to sort of present.
0: Interesting. Oh, I've not heard of that one. Now, how about how you work, like where you work? (laughs) Are you you at home? Do you have an office?
1: Sure, yeah. So I'm quite fortunate that I have a spare room in my house. So I've got my own home office um, and... It's quite weird going freelance because you think you have, well, you do have that flexibility to work sort of as and when you want and where you know wherever you want. But I work best with a structured day, so I'm usually up at the crack of dawn, um, straight to my computer. You know, usually working by about half six. But that enables me to to finish early. I think when I first started freelancing, I'd be sat at my desk at nine o'clock and I'd you know I'd still be there at five pm, sort of you know, tapping my fingers on the desk, thinking almost that I had to still be sat there. I think almost just in you know, as part of that routine from when I used to work at the agency, but very quickly realized I didn't need to do that. And the quicker I stopped Messing around on YouTube and and sort of Twitter, the quick you know the, the the quicker I can get away from my desk and get outside or go walk the dog or yeah you know do whatever I need to do.
0: So if you're starting at half six, when might you finish?
1: Oh, it varies. Um, most days probably about two o'clock. Nice.
0: Yeah, should be doing breakfast radio. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of sounds like you know if I ask you about work-life balance that maybe it feels like maybe you've got that figured out in a way that works for you
1: yeah i think so it was quite tricky when i first started going freelance sort of full time because you're so desperate for work that you feel like you should work evenings and weekends but i'd been doing that for you know at least 12 18 months that when i went freelance full time that was like the absolute opposite i was like i do not want to work any more evenings or weekends i'd been doing it for so long that I almost felt burnt out, which is the opposite of how you should feel. When you first go freelance, you should be excited, you should be driven. But I was the absolute opposite. I was almost, you know, I was almost finished. Um, so I was quite strict to myself when I first, you know, went freelance full time and and, tr- and tried to avoid evenings and weekends. Unless it was work that I wanted to do, I, I never do client work on evenings and weekends. It's always my own stuff. But yeah, I try and keep it quite structured, quite strict I've sort of recently been experimenting with sort of four day work week as well. Um, again, it's hit and miss. I'm happy to, to work five days on the weeks that I need to, when there's a bit more work involved, but yeah, just trying to find that, that sort of, you know, that sweet spot in terms of work life balance.
0: And aren't you someone who has goals that you work towards or do you just see how things go?
1: At first it was all about seeing how things go. And then it was financial goals and then I think very quickly you realise that money isn't everything and that it's about the sort of, you know, the work-life balance and the projects that you work on and enjoying those. So at the minute, for me, it's more about working on sort of fewer projects, but, you know, sort of bigger clients, bigger retainers, and just working on projects that we enjoy, with companies that we enjoy and with, with clients that are invested too, clients that want to help you know, help, uh, help themselves.
0: Working in that retainer way, how do you deal with, um, you know, like I guess price increases is what I'm thinking. You know, like you could easily take somebody on and then like it's been going so well. A year later, you're maybe getting more money out of new clients and not that one. Like how, how have you dealt with that?
1: That's still one thing that I haven't done since going freelance is actually ever increased my pricing for existing clients. I still have two clients at the minute that uh, pay me absolute peanuts because they were the sort of first two ever clients that I ever worked with and they're still with me now um, sort of four years later. Yeah, it's something I've been thinking about. A lot of other freelancers have been increasing their pricing recently due to inflation and things like that. And it is something that I've been preparing. I think with everyone, the fear is that clients might leave But then you have to realize that when you increase your pricing, you actually need fewer clients. So it's that sort of, you know, give and take.
0: So that's a work in progress. Yes. It's a funny thing with those original clients though, isn't it? Because there is almost this affection to the fact that they were there supporting you right when you needed it most at the beginning. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And to be honest, they're very easy clients. They never bother me. They they, (laughs) they pay their their invoices on time. I rarely hear from them probably once a year. So
0: yeah. OK, well, good luck uh, getting over that dilemma um, in the sort of thing that you do with PPC is proof. Yeah. How do you go about collecting proof and testimonials? Those are probably two separate things. But um, I'm imagining PPC is something that you can actually gauge quite nicely compared to to other freelance things that we might do yeah
1: there's there's pros and cons it's very good because you can link it directly to sales you know if someone clicks their ad goes through to the website fills out a form the sales team then speak to them and let's say they become a new customer for the client you can then you know attribute that you know the work that you've done to a direct sale and to the value of that sale the problem is when it comes to case studies and things like that because everyone wants to keep that information confidential. They don't want people, you know, their competitors or other people in the industry finding out how they're landing those inquiries or how they're landing those sales. So sometimes they're okay with it, especially if you keep the details vague or sometimes they prefer to remain anonymous and you have to put up, uh, you know, uh, anonymous case studies.
0: And so, so, actually, that does tie into testimonials. Do you struggle to get people to say nice things because they don't almost don't want to admit working for you? Is this working
1: with you? <laughs> Is this what you're saying? Testimonials are okay. Um... Simply because they're, you know, they're more than happy to say nice things about you. It's more about the individual tactics that you've used. So they wouldn't be so keen on the idea of me writing up a whole post about, you know, how we took their campaign and changed it and improved it and, and what steps we took. Because while it's nothing, you know, truly special, there's no secret sort of formula. They'd obviously much prefer if, if competitors weren't aware of what tactics we've used.
0: Okay, now, Ryan, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me?
1: Okay, so the first one is it took me six attempts to pass my driving test. The second one is that I know all the lyrics to Sugarhill Gang Rapper's Delight, the full (laughs) 15-minute version. And the third is that I once completed a 10K Tough Mudder without any preparation or training.
0: What was it that you struggled with with your driving test?
1: It was actually uh parking. I couldn't do bay parking or sort of you know reversing into any parking spot anything like that it was yeah, just couldn't do it
0: I mean yeah, that would do it if that's something that you can oh, I don't know though six I mean I almost feel like why were you why did you keep entering the test if you did, if you had until you'd nailed it hmm, maybe that's not true. maybe you passed first time. But then Rapper's Delight, I mean, all 50, you're, I don't know, you're you're in your mid-20s. So how come Rapper's Delight is the song that you know all the lyrics to?
1: (laughs) Well, there's an extra layer to that in that I probably knew most of the lyrics when I was about 10 years old. Uh, It was a song that my stepdad would always have on repeat, always playing in the car. Um, So from, yeah, as young as 10, we were sort
0: of singing away. Okay, now I'm believing that. Okay, so 10K Tough Mudder. So, are you a, are you a naturally fit person?
1: I am now. At the time of doing it, I wasn't. I didn't really do any any sports, any fitness.
0: And a tough mudder was it just muddy, or is this one of those ones where you're going over obstacles?
1: Yes, it's obstacles, climbing over things, climbing up walls, uh, on your belly under barbed wire, things like that. <laughs> How long did it take you? I think it was
0: around the two hour mark. <laughs> okay, right. Oh man, I don't know because if you'd have said an hour, I would have thought, right, that's got to be a lie. But two hours, I mean, that could involve a fair bit of walking in between things. But barbed wire? Do they really have barbed wire at these things? That that sounds a bit sus. Rapper's delight. I want to believe that's utterly true. So I'm thinking it's either between the driving test and the tough mudder. Mm, yeah, I'm going to say the tough mudder. It's you. You haven't done that.
1: It's actually the driving test that's the line.
0: Did you pass first time?
1: Second time. Everyone knows that if you pass second time, you're the best drivers.
0: So. <laughs> did the Tough Mudder actually have barbed wire? Because that was the bit that got me. Just
1: oh, it did, yeah. But to be honest, the barbed wire what? was not the worst bit. I think the worst bit was the uh, like, like cold bath plunge. Mm. Um, it, it was, yeah, the worst bit. I think everyone hated that bit. So, yeah. Okay. Well, done.
0: Ryan, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I think it would be to
1: just enjoy it. I think I panicked and stressed so much at the start when I first went sort of freelance full time. Um, and just to celebrate those small wins, especially when you first start off, because... They only come around once, that first project that you win, that first website redesign that you do, you know, the first business cards that you design. All those little steps are so exciting and it's such a big thing for your business that when you get a few years in, you look back, you, you just don't get the same excitement anymore. So yeah, just just celebrate those, those little steps at, at the beginning and enjoy it.
0: Ryan, it's been so good to talk to you. Uh, Good luck with Ryan Scollin and Co. I like the name. Don't be down for name. Go to beingfreelance.com. There'll be links free so you can find Ryan online. But for now, Ryan, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thanks for having me, Steve. There you go. There's Ryan. If you've enjoyed this, please do consider sharing it on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Being Freelance. Uh, So do tag me in. If you've never left a review before, go on, do me a favour. It really does make a difference. I think that's it, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll see you in the community. Come join us. There's a link at beingfreelance.com and I'll see you for another one of these next time around. You have a great week. Being freelance.